Hello, and welcome to What in Tarnation, Tar Heel Blog's hot take podcast. On this episode, we're discussing UNC's coronavirus test results, the future of the college football season, and UNC basketball's Black Lives Matter video. I'm Tanya Bondurant, and with me as always is Brandon Anderson. Brandon, how are you doing? I'm making it. It's yeah. been kind of a long week. Yeah, washing your hands and wearing your mask and stuff? Oh, of course. I also managed to get one of those like bandana things that you could kind of tie into a mask-like situation. I, I don't really need it to be that. I bought it and it, I thought that it was an actual like mask mask type situation. Yeah, that wasn't it. That wasn't a thing. I don't know what I was thinking, but hey, if I ever want to look like a robber from like a Western movie, I guess yeah. I'll go that route. In black and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you like, like some jump gun. on a train to escape. Oh yeah, absolutely. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of masks, I guess we'll just kick this thing off with uh, the test results from when UNC welcomed various student athletes, coaches, staff, etc., back to campus. They tested just over 400 people, and 37 of them came back positive. So the Orange County Health Department has identified that as a cluster, which they use to mean any five or more tests that are related, or any five or more positive tests that are related. And that means that UNC football is shutting down their voluntary workouts for at least a week, but until further notice. What is your take on that? I think maybe one of the first things that we should just get out of the way with that is 37 seems like a small number, I'm sure, to a lot of people that heard that news. Um, But we got to bear in mind that those are the people that tested positive right now. Mm-hmm. And if they've and like, I know Carolina basketball, for instance, hasn't been back to campus all that long. So if you think, for example, like Caleb Love happens to test positive and he's rooming with, you know, Walker Kessler and Dayron Sharp, then there is a good chance that Kessler and Sharp tested negative, but that may be because they weren't you know, they hadn't been completely exposed when they took that test yet. So 37 is a small number, but it really could be a bigger number in all reality. Right. Just because you don't have it right now doesn't mean you won't get it soon or in the future. And I mean, we've both been college kids. We know that try as you might, it's very difficult to get them to isolate and and take all of the necessary precautions around the clock. So I think it just shows you that they're really up against it here as far as keeping everyone healthy. And I think that that's going to be a real burden to playing the season. Yeah, I I really feel like it's a very uphill battle. Because you're dealing with so many people and so many different sports. I mean, 
when you just think of 429 tests run, that gives you an idea of just how many people are involved with athletics, whether it's players, coaches, staff, so on and so forth. There is so many people involved, and that's before you even factor in. Normally, there's like fans, there's arena staff, and you know things like that. It's just, it's so difficult to try to navigate sports when we are dealing with a pandemic that is so contagious that you can literally just be talking to somebody within like a two foot radius and you can give them the coronavirus. Yeah. And I think that, you know, sports don't make it easy when you are talking about, you know, tackling people and guarding someone like you're, you're in people's faces a lot. Yeah. And that is not a great recipe for something that is spread via those methods. Um, I think that it's going to be, I mean, at this point we're just running out of time. And, And I know that we talked on the last episode about, Hey, like Mac Brown should get on television and say like, if you want football, you need to wear a mask. And hilariously that happened like shortly thereafter with all the like coaches and stuff. But, um, people should know our third eye is strong, by the way, (laughs) you're welcome. But I think the, the issue here is that football was scheduled to start in under two months. And yeah, to prepare for that and have kids ready to go takes a lot of preparation. And unfortunately, you know, cases in North Carolina have been going up. They've been as bad as they've been at any point during the pandemic as of late. Um, I know June was particularly a very bad month in the state as far as case numbers go. And I think they're just running out of time to come up with a plan that entails them being able to safely play in the fall. Yeah. Not only are the numbers going up in North Carolina, they're going up in the U S dramatically. We're now past 3 million cases. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty terrible. Some States are way worse off right now than others. California is in a bad way. Arizona is in a bad way. North Carolina is in a bad way. Texas is in a bad way. Florida, um, and a handful of those states that I just mentioned are very big football school or football states, rather. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's a lot. It's and another thing that was announced today at the time of this recording: um, the Ivy League will not allow any sports. And will reevaluate. Well, they won't allow any sports this fall. They're going to try to push fall sports to the spring. Um, they said that they would kind of reevaluate things after January first. Ideally, you would imagine there's a vaccine by then, but of course, we still have a lot of questions how that's going to go. But basically, they're the first conference to decide that they're just going to shut everything down. Um, 
I think the initial reaction from a lot of it, or from one particular analyst, I I could not tell you what his name was. Um, It's neither here nor there. They're basically saying that it's kind of, it doesn't impact the Power Five or, you know, some of the other bigger conferences all that much, which in a way is true, but this kind of goes back to something I wrote last week where, it, it you really have to look at the chain like it will affect things in some manner um there's schools that have scheduled stuff against ivy league schools now they don't have those on their schedule so now they're going to have to scramble to like backfill games if they can even get a school to agree to get on the field so on and so forth Tanya. i mean the Ivy League canceled their conference basketball tournament pretty early in the spring. And we saw that, like, ultimately all the other conferences fell in line. Some took longer than others. Looking at you, Big East, ACC, whatever. Yeah. But ultimately they ended up following the Ivy League's lead. And I don't think it's hard to imagine a world where that happens with this as well, because I do think that it's easier for smaller conferences to make that call. Like the Ivy League is not making boatloads of money off of football. So, yeah, it's easier for them to make that call than it is the SEC. But I do think that it is more likely than not that most, if not all, conferences will reach the same conclusion just based on everything that's happening right now. It just doesn't look possible to do it safely. And I I think that you're going to have a hard time getting the SEC to admit that or the Big 12 or the Big 10, but I just don't see any way that, like, we're out here with a college football season at the end of August. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we were talking about in Slack today is all of the conference. Well, really the NCAA in general, but we all know that it's going to start with the conferences basically bowing out. Everybody needs to just go ahead and reevaluate this now and come out with the decision before they have to actually prepare to take the fields basically um if they put it off too long and they try to execute this season and they end up having to shut it down that is just going to be chaos on chaos on chaos um i just i think it was a nice dream to restart Uh sports in the fall i think and you know i'm not whatever but i think that had we done things different all of us then maybe we would be having a separate conversation or not a different separate conversation but a different conversation um one where we could actually find a way to get sports going relatively safely i mean other and, countries are doing it it's it's very much a U.S. problem that makes it 
to where we're not able to even really consider safely bringing back sports right now. We're going to try to bring them back regardless, but safely, another story. Right. Um, so I don't know. It just, I hope that some of these conferences saw what the Ivy League did and are at least having a conversation about reigniting the conversation of whether or not this should be happening. Because let me tell you, if this football stuff or any other sport, if they have to go into it like we had to go into the ACC tournament and some of the other conference basketball tournaments and have just this like weird sequence of events and people getting sick and teams having to – and that's the other thing. If one player on a team gets sick during the season, can you really expect to roll out an entire team that has been around this person in this like chain of like 52 players and then you throw in everybody else on each team? Like it's just they would have to not play for two weeks. It would be a mess. And then you go into like, well, when were they exposed? Did they play another team? after they were exposed so then maybe they were exposed to it and then where did they go after that and it's a nightmare yeah just logistically a nightmare and for what money i guess well money drives a lot of things for better or worse I, i feel like money has been the leading cause of a lot of ill-advised decisions when it comes to how all of this has been handled. And I think that's about all I will get into without diving into, you know, too deep into that. But I think when it comes to these colleges that are for-profit colleges, for the most part, I mean, there's definitely nonprofits in there, but um, I believe, but the money just ain't worth it. That's my point. It's just not. Like, would you rather have the money and deal with the idea that you may have somebody in like a chain of this disease being passed around die or have like long-term illness? Or do you want to do the responsible thing, send the players home so that they can take their online classes and wipe your hands of it. I mean, we probably don't want the answer to some of those questions. We probably don't. Brandon, I will put you on the spot. Do you think that there is a college football season in the fall for, like, the Power Five? I unfortunately think that they're going to try. Interesting. Um, and I I have reason to believe that they will all decide not to before it's time for them to play their first game, but I don't know. I just, I would have thought that Clemson having the issues that they had would have been enough for the ACC to be like, whoa, 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 whoa but they haven't and they had what 
50 some players no 30 some players get it maybe it was 50 some right um i think they had 30 some in the first batch and then more so yeah it probably was close to 50 yeah and i mean that that is something that takes a while to get rid of i mean there's some people that it's taken like a couple of months we're in july so that's basically going into september which means that they're already going to be playing with what I would assume is a limited roster, unless all of them were asymptomatic, which I don't feel like the odds are very good of that. So I don't know. I feel like my brain is kind of telling me they'll still try. My heart is telling me that there will be a breaking point before Teams are supposed to play each other, and they will just end up scrapping it all. What do you think? So my brain works kind of like this. I think the SEC is going to be the hardest sell. And I look at the numbers from just today. Florida had 9,989 new cases. Texas had 6,965 new cases. Georgia had 3,427 new cases. Louisiana had 1,888 new cases. Tennessee had 2,236 cases. South Carolina had 1,556 cases. Alabama had 1,177 cases. You get the point. Yeah. Things are bad in SEC land. And I think if, if they are the most difficult barrier, then I think that the numbers will ultimately make it to where it doesn't happen. At this point, I'm concerned about basketball season. And I think basketball season has a better chance than football season. Um, in like a sort of modified way. Like I don't think, 21,000 people are going to pack the Dean Dome on a Saturday night at all. Um, I, I don't see that happening. But I I worry about what, you know, October, when basketball kind of kicks off, looks like, and whether or not they're able to, like, maybe they scrap – the non-conference schedule, I don't know. We're, we're probably getting ahead of ourselves here, but I feel like I've kind of just said my goodbyes to football season happening as we thought it would and have now, like, turned my focus to is basketball even going to happen? And I don't know. I don't know the answer. I think what you said is – kind of along the lines of what I'm thinking is it, it, there's a pretty decent chance that that is something that they look into in regards to basketball is they could reasonably do a season if they just didn't play the non-conference games. I think where I have questions even still, like if everything, like if the calendar stayed the way it is, in conference play 
you can, you know, start it in January. You might have to squeeze some games in there because I think there might be a couple games that take place like late, late December, but I, I couldn't tell you right off the top of my head. Um, but I think what I question with all of that is, you know, usually before teams play at all, the teams have to go through conditioning and workouts and things like that. And I don't know if that part is possible before 2021. So I think if they could find a way to actually get that accomplished between like November and the end of December, then maybe you could start in January. Otherwise, I I mean, I think that it's probably more likely that they could just slide things up kind of back a month or two in 2021 if the vaccine is actually available by the end of this year, like Dr. Fauci is like optimistic or sorry, cautiously optimistic about. I think the thing that I don't see how they work around is like, if you take Boston college, for example, things are not terrible in Massachusetts right now. They sort of were early to this stupid party and now things are not as bad there as they are other places. So how do you send the Boston College basketball team down to Tallahassee or Atlanta and risk them picking up something and taking it back to Chestnut Hill? I think that is something that's going to come into play that I really don't have a good solution to yeah and that's a good point i mean you let's say vaccines do come out in like november for instance there's still going to be a bit of a lag in terms of how safe it's going to be to do anything Um, well also like even if the vaccine comes out like it has to be administered to I mean, just in the country, like 330 million people. Right. And it still has to be time. And it still has to be available to the rest of the world, too. I mean, there was that treatment that was developed. Um, I can never remember how to pronounce it, but it doesn't really matter. There was a treatment that was available, and um we saw how that whole situation played out to where I mean, countries are going to have to balance out how many they actually can get to their people because, you know, supply is supply. Like, you, you, there's not going to be an unlimited amount of it. So that's going to be another factor. Um, so, yeah, it's just when we say all this stuff out loud, it really just you get this feeling that at least as far as college athletics are concerned you almost would just wish that they would just consider the 2020 2021 athletic season a wash like figure out some way to give players an extra year of eligibility try again in 2021 should be safe by then knock on wood 
Um, but who knows? Who knows what they're going to try to do? So I guess we should put away our epidemiology hats and switch gears to the video that UNC basketball put out on Monday, which I think we had to kind of know one was coming at some point after the one that Krzyzewski did, but it was a very well-produced Black Lives Matter video. Yeah. Um, the list of the players and coaches and things uh, that were in the video, Wes Miller, Wayne Ellington, Tom Kearns, George Lynch, Theo Pinson, James Worthy, Tyler Hansborough, Luke May, Justin Jackson, Sean May, Jimmy Black, Marvin Williams, Eric Montrose, Donald Williams, Danny Green, Sam Perkins, Jawad Williams, Ty Lawson, Kennedy Meeks, Lenny Rosenbluth, Raymond Felton, and of course, Roy Williams. I was really oh, Michael surprised. Jordan. <laughs> and that guy. Yeah. Um, I was really surprised to see Ty Lawson. Um, he was in the news not very long ago, potentially, I guess, not potentially. He was saying some maybe unkind things about Roy Williams and the program on social media. I, I don't begin to know how that has played out since then, but he, he was in the video. You know, one thing that we tend not to think about when we think about family is how sometimes family members lash out on the other and by the time that they're done and they have time to step away from the situation and process, they realize that probably wasn't the best idea or, you know, whatever. I don't know if that's the situation with this or not, but the that it felt like the possibility of it being closer to that type of situation was more real than that other guy that I'm not going to mention their name. So I still have my questions about that. I don't know what he was so angry about in the beginning, but it was good to see him on the video, especially for something so important and representing Carolina basketball. So I'm, I'm just glad to know that whatever happened, it seems like it's okay. That's the most important thing. And and like you said, it was good that whatever his beef may have been, may still be for all we know, um, he was able to put it aside and help them with a worthy cause. Yeah. But um, going back to what you were saying about we kind of figured something like this was coming this does explain why it took so long for them to come out with something. Um, just the large amount of people that were in this video, I'm sure it took a while to, you know, get the availability of everybody to put that together. I, I, I thought it was pretty cool. And I don't know if you noticed, but the Carolina basketball logos, like it's been blacked out on t Twitter. Yeah. Um, so 
That's a nice little touch, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, going back to Michael Jordan, one of the quotes from the video that he had was, systemic racism has to end now. We must take time to listen and educate our family, our friends, our children on racial, or I'm sorry, on social injustice and racial equality. Black Lives Matter now more than ever before. We have to get this right. So please take the time to educate yourself and improve the lives of many people. Now, that was another thing that you and I were talking about. I was kind of surprised that Michael Jordan hopped on this video. Um, the reason I was surprised is because when it comes to this type of stuff, usually the only things that I see from him are very like, I want to use the word can, but I don't, that might be a bit much. Uh, he usually comes out with these statements through the Hornets. They're very like, you know, PR friendly, you know, type things. And he signs it and it ends up on Twitter and whatever other media form it gets to. So it was kind of nice to see him actually in a video kind of speaking on the issue. Yeah, I think we've talked about this before, but Michael Jordan kind of stays out of a lot of issues. Um, I think he definitely picks and chooses what he wants to like dip his toe into. But I'm glad that he chose to do this and like fully participate instead of just kind of co-signing it with a statement or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know a whole lot more to say on this. I mean, I feel like I think for like us i'm pretty sure everybody knows where we stand on all this stuff i don't know that we really have to go into detail with all that um i think one thing that i will say is whenever any of you whatever you believe are out there having conversations about this stuff whichever side that you are on take the time to listen process and communicate effectively um when either side of the fence are just attacking each other nothing gets accomplished and i really think the best course of action when it comes to handling that stuff it it really is actually like having a conver- like a constructive conversation to where Hopefully somebody walks away from that learning something. I don't know what that something is. It's hard to say, but hopefully somebody learns something. I think that's what we all need to be doing right now. And, you know, try to keep from having things get a bit too divisive. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> Do you have anything else? Can we talk about Roy Williams' beard? I don't like it. <laughs> it it's like 
It weirds me out every time I see it. <laughs> you know who he reminds me of when I see it is um Greg Popovich. And I don't know why, but it's just something about his face with that beard. I'm like, Greg, is that you? I, I, I thought you were in San Antonio, my guy. I'm just always like, I know that the quarantine has been hitting different, but like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that razors still exist. Yeah, it it does. I mean, I'm not the best with keeping up with my facial hair with all of this, and I very much haven't been keeping up with my actual hair, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe he saw this as his opportunity to just rough it out. I know he's been staying in the mountains for a bit. That must be like his mountain beard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, it's been a couple weeks since we've done this. Is there maybe a best and worst of that you have from the last couple weeks? I'm going to need you to stop asking me this as long as we're stuck in stuff. <laughs> The best of is the immense amount of trash television I've been watching. And the worst of is that I am going star crazy. There has been some magnificent trash TV on though. Like it, it, there's just, and it's funny because when sports are on, I don't watch much of anything else. Um, if I do, it's usually stuff that I've seen before and all that, but yeah, I, I've also been jumping into the trash TV and it, it's been a good way to pass time, honestly. I mean, at this point, I, I just don't even remember what having sports around and, and like I, my full-time job is sports. So, like, yeah. please understand how weird it has been for months. Things are bleak. Yeah, yeah. So, my, I actually do have a best, worst of, um, we landed a five-star cornerback by the name of Tony Grimes. Uh, he committed um i want to say that was what june 30th june 31st um pulled him away from a few big schools i that was one of the commits that i was just kind of like super taken aback by and i really felt like i was already starting to feel like things under Mac Brown were changing for the better, but accomplishing that had me like, whoa, this is this is really real now. Like he I I'm just impressed so far. I don't really know what to say other than that. I'm just like super impressed by the job that Mac Brown's done so far. They currently have the what number three class in the country? I it's either number three or number two. I want to say they jumped up to number two on 24 sevens list. 
Um, so we'll see how long they stay up there. Uh, my worst of the last couple weeks, I'm actually just going to go ahead and give it to Jim Harbaugh because <laughs> he, was that was so dumb. Like it was, he channeled his inner Larry Fedora and it hurt me. Um, for anybody that didn't see it, I just, the summary is he basically doesn't think that football is going to be affected by COVID or football's not going to make COVID worse. Oh, he said Let's, that there's no evidence that playing sports is dangerous. Yeah. I, sir. Sir. <laughs> Have you paid any attention to anything? Anything. I mean, do we really have to run this down? In sports, you get hot, you get sweaty, you breathe a lot. And in football, you are very close to people in huddles, in like on the line of scrimmage, you're tackling people. You are literally always on top of people at all times. And you are telling me that that isn't, like, ah, uh, it's hurting my brain just thinking about it. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's an interesting guy. I, I, he, just the whole time that I've known him as a coach, he just gets, he's like fine for a while, jumps way out of pocket. Fine for a while, jumps way out of pocket. And he's back out of his pocket. So that is my worst. Sounds about right. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's about it for me, Tanya. And also me, Brandon, where can the people find you on Twitter? You can find me at THB Brandon. And I am at Tanya Bondurant. We will be back in... A couple of weeks we're still trying to uh come up with enough content to scrape together for a podcast in the meantime you can check out everything that we do between podcasts at tarheelblog.com until next time wash your hands please wear your mask and go heels go heels <laughs>